Wow, wow, wow. Got producers, writer, director of Paper Tigers here with me. All three of you intimately sitting next to each other on black shirts in Texas. Welcome, guys. Aloha from Dallas. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to let you introduce yourselves. Um, but before that, I just wanted to say that Paper Tigers team was in Hawaii just, what was it, a week, two weeks ago? Just two weeks ago. Uh, no, three weeks ago. Uh, and then some of the cast that also come out uh, two weeks ago. That's right. And I had the privilege of watching one of their screenings at Pearl Ridge, which was really fun. And then um, we had a very brief kind of a little teaser, if you will, of our little process of trying to understand your, your, your work. So today, hopefully, we'll get a little bit more in-depth information about uh, how you got this film made and your thoughts behind it. So uh, why don't you all introduce yourselves? We have uh, Bao, Alan, and Michael, but I'll let you in-depth. Tell me your uh, position with in reference to the film and a little bit about you that you want us to know. Okay. Uh, sure. Yeah, in alphabetical order, uh, okay. I'm the writer's director of <laughs> Bao Wait, okay. okay. That's all you're gonna say? <laughs> Is that what you did as a school kid? I could just see you yeah, doing yeah. that, you know. I'm Alan Duong. I'm one of the producers of Paper Tigers. I'm Michael Velasquez. I'm one of the producers on Paper Tigers. Okay, so do Smile. you say how? Yeah. <laughs> How you producers got on board with Bao's project? Because I know this was a 10-year project, and that's kind of crazy. But uh, tell us how and when you hopped on board. Well, we actually all uh, worked together on uh, Bao's short film uh, back in 2005, 2006, I believe. Um, it was uh, called Bookie. And that's where we all first met. Or I, I met these two, um, actually. And so, and since then, you know, we, we had so much fun uh, working together. We all love Kung Fu action films, comedy, um, you know, we, we all enjoyed all the same things. And so we, we kind of promised each other that we would make a feature film one day together. And it so did happened. Did you sign it in blood? Or did you guys do like a marking Almost. or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it just took. 16 years to make it happen so yeah, yeah so you wow you guys didn't know each other before that no oh. that's where we met so wait but before that you all had been practicing some form of martial arts before you met through filmmaking is that right yeah i think by that time i had i only took martial arts to socialize and meet people you don't meet chicks from martial arts do you are you kidding? <laughs> really? Oh wait, okay. Yes. Michael, Michael, oh uh, you don't know this. Another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Michael, happily married, by the way. I don't know. Uh, Michael loves to attend the women's self-defense seminars on the weekends. And he likes to be. Well, I'm the guy who gets beat up. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the attacker. And I always okay. thought that was really awkward. Huh? <laughs> I met my wife at a gun range. What? Yeah, I up, I, I upgrade. You know, martial arts and just wasn't uh... Okay, I'm anti-gun, so we'll go back to the martial arts. Oh stuff. my gosh, He's like, no. We're in Texas. I... <laughs> That's right. Okay, yeah, tell me. So you're in Texas right now promoting a, uh, your, part of your tour, right? Yeah, we've been, uh, we had a re official release uh, on May 7th in, in theaters and on digital, but we've been just going around uh, trying to uh, make some appearance uh, at screenings, meet folks uh, all around the country. That's why we're out in Hawaii and uh, Pearl Ridge, and now we're out in Dallas uh, for some other screenings as, as well. So we've been just kind of like nonstop since May 7th and uh, still going. So Ted, can we talk a little bit about Texas? Because from Hawaii, where it's so Asian dominated and it was, you know, you feel like 
you feel the, yeah. the, the community here, you know, embracing a, sub, a subject like yours. How is it like in Texas? I mean, we're going to go back into like, I don't know. I mean, do you feel racial tensions there? Do you feel odd out as Asians? Is it still a thing? Tell me, or what part of Texas are you in that might have affected the way you feel? It's weird where we are. There's quite a lot of Asian restaurants. Uh, we were just at a restaurant, a seafood restaurant. It was a, there was some Asian American family sitting right next to us. Uh, I'd say the divides that I've experienced just the one day here about masking versus not masking. It's mainly the thing I notice. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I have used uh, family in Houston, so I'm pretty familiar with Texas. It's what it is. It's just obviously a very big, big, big state, a yeah. lot of land, so a lot of people as well. But there are definitely a strong Asian American community uh, among Vietnamese, Chinese, uh, and Korean as well. So there's a, you know all, all across all spans as well. As, uh, you know, different, uh, different ethnicities, uh, Indian, Middle Eastern as well. So it's a lot more diverse than uh, maybe some people have perceived Texas to be, uh, but it definitely is kind of like has, uh, you know, it definitely has a certain type of uh, hegemony as far as for, for white Texans, you know, that's kind of the white cowboy is kind of the, uh, the image that we have, but it's a lot more diverse. Um, and actually, just so speaking tangentially, you know, Anthony Bourdain actually did a, a piece in Houston that is really, really eye-opening. If, if you haven't been to Texas, and just kind of reveals a lot of the ethnic enclaves that exist right. in Texas. Does it cover the Asian Americans? <laughs> yes. And, and all the San Franciscans have moved to Texas, right? All the tech people. Certainly, they, certainly, like... certainly. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a flight going on, especially housing and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot more affordable. Uh, uh, small businesses uh, are able to kind of like open up and, and thrive in different right. ways. So there, there definitely is kind of like a lot of transplants that are from elsewhere, but uh, you know, same thing, you know, certain relatives, you know, uh, invite their cousins and families to come move and live with them as well. So there's a lot of that kind of relationships that are being built. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a new generation of Chinese, um, I, not immigrants, but transplants, like you said. So what kind of people are watching your film there? Are you, can you see people going in? What, are you expecting more an Asian American crowd? Um, yeah, what does this kind of film attract to people? Well, just speaking of that, yeah, I mean, we haven't been, this is, we just got to Dallas last, oh, right. uh, last, right. last night, uh, but we're going to be showing the movie uh, tomorrow. Uh, but this was on the initiative of, of this group, uh, uh, ARIA, which is this kind of a real estate association for Asians. Uh, they have chapters all over in Hawaii. That was, uh, they had helped us introduce uh, to a lot of folks out in Pearl Ridge in, in Hawaii to do our promotion. So out here in Dallas, we were invited to their kind of like national uh, convention here in Dallas. And uh, so they're going to have uh, hold a private screening. So it will be kind of a lot of Asian Americans, but also Asian Americans uh, from uh, all around the country coming, convening for the national convention. Are you guys promoting the film through like um, martial arts schools or communities? And I don't know if that's like kind of a way of in and connection. Yeah, we had a, in Pasadena on our opening weekend, we had a, a screening sponsored by a bunch of martial arts schools. It was, it was very cool because there were these old Sifus who were just talking about what the film meant to them and one of them called it this is the best martial arts film i've ever seen because it talks about not just the fighting but uh the ideas of honor and spirituality in it and it was funny because it was a bunch of older sifus and then their their students and a lot of the old people jokes are just way over the, the kids heads please hear all the older guys chuckle and then the kids laugh at the fart jokes and things like that so it's yeah. for everybody yeah, and I wanted to share that because I brought my parents to watch it and um, we haven't watched the movie since, I don't know, COVID. But my dad, who is usually, he says, this was a good film because I didn't fall asleep in it because he only oh, watched right. films. And he, you know, that was kind of like a big deal for him to say that to me. He never even comments on anything we watched. So that was a really great thing to oh, hear that affirmation from the older generation. 
That's right. Can we put his uh, quote on the poster? <laughs> 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 No. Well, uh, just quickly back to uh, the Texas point, you know, the other thing is our distributor, WellGo USA, is based out here in Plano. Plano is uh, a neighboring city of Dallas. It's a Taiwanese-American uh, mom-and-pop company. Uh, basically kind of started out doing Laserdisc uh, distribution, uh, you know, uh, back in the day with karaoke Laserdisc for the U.S. And then they got into distribution and they uh, were the distributors for Yipmon, uh, the whole Yipmon series, and then the whole uh, Train to Busan. Uh, uh, and Peninsula, the sequel as well. So uh, they're really kind of into Asian, uh, importing Asian films, but they were very interested in Asian American films as, 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 a, as a title for them to distribute as well. So Good. even then have, you know, our own film distributor doing a national release based right here out of Texas. So uh, don't snooze on Texas. Texas uh, has a, is full of surprises for sure. That's great to Texas hear. Longest of, uh, we have the longest theatrical run here in Texas. Oh, yeah. No, congratulations. It's a really good time for you guys. Um, and it's also a legitimately good film. Um, I wanted to clarify if people didn't understand what you meant by Yip Man. That's a Hong Kong film, kind of like, I don't know how many, were there three? There are many, right? There's a three There's some breakouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a huge. Four with Donnie. Four no, Donnie Yen's from Boston, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. interviewing him years and years ago um, in Hong Kong when he was just a stuntman and he was like just doing Art. stuff for people and, yeah. and look at his legacy now and he's still working, you know, it's, it's incredible. So can we talk a little bit about, you know, Hollywood has kind of demasculized, demasculinized Asian American men, if you will, um, or have had, yeah, except for, except for Michael. <laughs> and body. But it's, you know, the way the representation reinforces itself with the roles um, Asians get, because Ron was mentioning that a little bit early, uh, when he was in town, uh, the actor in your film. But so how does a film like yours kind of um, challenge those stereotypes? And or are you even thinking about how that addresses the implications or the kind of the, the representation and the cliches and stereotypes of Asian males, if you will? Yeah, maybe we can all put our two cents in on this yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll start. Uh, I think the bigger question is, yeah, there is kind of a whole wide range of Asian diaspora in immigration communities. It's really broad that have huge influences. So it's, to do a kind of blanket statement is really, uh, you know, uh, it kind of does a disservice to kind of Asian, uh, Korean marrying experience, Chinese American experience, uh, Vietnamese American experience uh, and all that. But there is kind of a common thread uh, especially in America, uh, where we have kind of this Hollywood portrayals of, of kind of demasculized, uh, you know, Asian men, either as, you know, in oddly, you know, they're henchmen, but they are almost dehumanized. And because they're dehumanized, they're demasculized, you know, it has kind of like a complex thing about that. But I think um, uh, we just kind of want to portray, present and portray a story and portrayal of communities that we grew up with, and that we reflected ourselves, like, you know, I, I'm Vietnamese American, but I hung out with Korean Americans and Chinese Americans and Japanese Americans as a youth. So my experience of Asian America was, you know, much more in line with their experience rather than, you know, say a Vietnamese uh, person in Vietnam, right? It's a different yeah. experience. So yeah, the, the whole immigrant community and experience is almost in its own shape in and of itself, regardless of where you come from. So I think we're in that kind of liminal space where we don't really know exactly where we are. It's, it's just a funny feeling to have because we just don't know, like, who we are at a certain time, you know? So 
yeah. So at any rate, uh, you know, the whole thing about kind of creating Asian masculine roles, I think we have to kind of be careful about that because it's like, that's not just what Asians are. We don't want to just be that macho. We don't want to be a Rambo 2.0 or an Asian Rambo, like, cause Rambo's great, but you know, there's other ways of being a man and being masculine as opposed to just being this, you know, muscle bound, you know, alpha man, alpha male, you know? So, I think yeah. the film does a, oh, oh go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think the film does a better job of humanizing these Asian male figures in the sense that, oh, hey, they can be shitty fathers too, or they can get out of shape and, and uh, long for the glory days also. So it's not about demasculating them, it's about humanizing them in that way. Yeah, and just kind of to add on to, you know, what the guys have said already is that, you know, we, we want to make sure that when, especially as uh, POC artists, people of color, uh, um, that we don't continue to have to respond to certain issues when we're making art where, you know, whereas, you know, like our, our white counterparts in Hollywood can just make a movie that has nothing to do with responding to a social issue that, you know, affects them. Like for us, it's, you know, we need the freedom to create without having to use, for example, trauma as something that, you know, becoming a centerpiece of our art, kind of like in the African, African-American community where there's a lot of pressure for African-Americans to talk, to constantly talk about their trauma growing up in the hood or, you know, um, slavery and stuff like that. And for on the Asian side, you know, like, we're starting to see kind of this um, push to respond to demasculate um, um, kind of our sexuality or um, uh, for a Vietnamese war or uh, stuff like that, you know? And, and, and so I think that the next stage in um, uh, Hol- Asian Americans in Hollywood is that we're starting to just tell our own stories, you know, our, our own, you know, how we grew up without having to, you know, make that next another Vietnam war movie, you know, that, you know, we, did not live in you know like it's, it's it's just one of those so um so i think that's sort of the the next evolution of the asian american film mm. the, the, the struggles the the trauma the struggles our experiences it'll be in the film because we're putting ourselves in the film but it's just not going to be as overt yeah the but question we... of where you center you know where you center as a storyteller you know and also the audience and this was a conversation that we often had amongst ourselves during editing just trying to figure out like Will people understand this part? Do we need to explain these parts? You know, how much can we kind of get away with it? Because if we're kind of assuming, hopefully we tell a story and, uh, you know, we hi- like to tell a universal story, but also being a specific story at the same time. So that, that was kind of the, uh, the high wire act that we were trying to kind of like uh, walk on. Yeah, now that you're saying that, can we go into a little bit of your uh, story creating process in in creating these characters? Because there are moments in the film that don't feel, you know, on uh, in the package of it, it's a very kind of a um, kung fu film, action film kind of a right a genre. But you have these moments of quite. Um, internalized dramatic moments of these characters able to kind of reflect and talk about their deeper kind of more complex feelings. So when you were writing it, were you, how did you, uh, you know, construct these characters? Were they based on you and your friends and the problems you were seeing as a, as a, as a, you know, Asian American, if that's even like part of your consciousness during the time or just, yeah, what did you put into it that you felt that was important for this film? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think all of the above. I think when I was writing it, it was just trying to channel, at least emo- me uh, emotionally, because I was feeling kind of burnt out from the film industry. I started very young and, and, and making films, but and then one thing to do it as a hobby, but then another thing to kind of get into as a career and business and all show business, all of that. So I was feeling burnt out of that. So I just kind of want to examine those feelings I was having and also look at the other inspiration I have, which was martial arts. 
another useful inspiration that I had is that. So, and then trying to bring that together in a story like this, where you have these characters essentially trying to, you know, find the roots, find the thing, the, the, the flame that they once had. And just like whether that still has value and meaning for them. And also whether it's something that they, they want to pass on to their children. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of, kind of like a whole kind of writing exploration and exercise. They're kind of exploring all those themes, you know, in, you know, essentially kind of this, this story that is a Kung Fu movie. And so it's a, you know, it's a loving, I don't, I don't know if it's a, we're not like a, what would you say? I think we're inspired by it, but we're not trying to like hew closely to it at all. But, you know, we know all the little shorthand of the references, they're all there. Um, and maybe the analogy is, you know, we often like to say, it's like, we, we wanted to do what Shaun of the Dead did for zombie movies. You know, we want to do for Kung Fu movies in the same way. Um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I, I guess what, I, what you might be saying is like, you know, did we feel self-conscious about things? No, we just wanted to tell from experience and then like grab ingredients, just like a chef would just be inspired uh, from the things that they know, the flavors that they have growing up in home and, you know, all these things, it's just putting that all together. Um, and we see that oftentimes, I think, even just in other uh, forms of art. So I'm, I'm rambling a bit, but it's, it, you see that in other forms of art, but where I feel like in movies, it's sort of like you are this type of thing. Yeah, like I that. hate that compartmentalizing. Yeah. But you're talking about this chef analogy, and that's great because I'm thinking like if you have a restaurant, but the question is, do you make foods that you really want to serve or eat? Or do you think about what kind of clientele you want to come in to eat that food? And so with the audience, it's really interesting because you want to appeal to a larger market, obviously, right? I mean, you don't want to just make it about your your your, your experience and your life. So how much do you think you... I don't want to use the word commercialize, but, you know, incorporating yeah. these ideas of who the audience is. And I think as producers, you really have to think hard about this because it's still a business and you need to generate income. And so how is the Kung Fu genre, you know, the main kind of the attraction and you, you kind of utilize that to to bring the value or the, you know, the appeal to to the film? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, like for me, uh, that's the craft of storytelling, you know, how to be both specific and, and broad at the same time, because the, mm -hmm. there's power in movies that it is can play to. We want to play to the whole world because that's the power of movies, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the power that brings us all together as strangers in the dark. That's what cinema is. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, what Brad Bird says, Brad Bird's the director of uh, Incredibles and Iron Giant. Uh, but he said, you know, our job as filmmakers is to be storytellers, to tell campfire stories. And the, uh, the campfire is as large as the world. And so that's the way I kind of see it. It's, it's both folksy, very intimate, but it's also with a broad vision and broad kind of like thinking, you know, globally as well. Right. Um, so all those things, all the above, exactly kind of what you say. And, and you know, kind of go back to the food analogy, you know, we have a lot of friends uh, who are Asian American or Vietnamese American who are now opening up their own restaurants that are drawing upon, you know, the ingredients that they grew up with, their family ingredients, but also like putting their own mix into it, their own personalities, their own inspirations. You know, it's not Asian fusion, you know, Asian fusion. Oh, you guys, that's such a passe term, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a loaded term, but for them, they just, they love these flavors. They, you know, even like here in North America, we use jalapenos in our pho, but, you know, in Vietnam, it's like chili pepper, the red chili pepper, right? Those are all changes, but those are all kind of inspired by what is the world kind of giving you? What's the world you're growing up with? So in other words, like we just use what we have around us. And we, I guess we'd never have that kind of like, uh, you know, rep sweats or that kind of the burden as, as filmmakers and stories, like we're just telling us freely, as free as we can tell it. I think that's more powerful than anything. I think you'd be surprised if you were to read the first drafts of the script and the last drafts, how little changed. So how little about, change? Did about you say? how little, how little of it changed. Oh, so about had the through line from the beginning and one of the benefits of being an indie film is if you keep 
pushing away all this big money to try and get you to change it. You get to keep your vision going the way you intended. So there was never any like thinking of people are going to respond oddly to this or let's make it more popular. We didn't have to do that. Bow never had to do that. So, you know, you know, you hear stories where like Netflix or whatever streaming company um, offers, you know, a bunch of money to tick the rights, but then you have no creative control. Where do you draw the line on something like that? If you got we're an opportunity to- We were talking about that last night. <laughs> we're trying to figure out where to go because we've, we, uh, we've done it where we didn't have to change anything. We get, get, got to keep it pure, but now there's more money involved. So yeah, it's a discussion. It always changes. Though. I think it, again, it kind of goes back to the point of like, it's less about the money, but more about the centeredness. And again, who's kind of in the driver's seat and who's kind of going to be able to shepherd your story, your project in a way that kind of makes the most sense. So I think that's kind of like, there's nothing wrong with money. Like we're not allergic to money at all. So don't, let's not get it wrong. But it's also a way that we want to make sure that the product is right, that the film is right, that the, the dish is right. And yeah. make sure that all that you know, comes out in a way that is, is most meaningful. Because it's not because we think it's, we're so precious about it, but we think we, if we do it this way, it's going to appeal and you know, have the most people attract, attracted to it. So it's like, it's kind of like, you know, we don't put marketing as, a, as, as our, our, our cart before the horse. We think about, let's make sure this thing is beautiful, true, and, right. and, and has all those things. And then that will radiate and that will, that will attract people. What, can you guys share a little bit of the pushbacks you've had in this process of trying to get it out? Um, and, and, you know, how you dealt with Hollywood or just major gatekeepers who may have kind of prevented you from going forward to where you want to go because of who you are? Pushback. Yeah, I mean, I certainly remember when I was writing, uh, Michael would, would peer over the window and go, you'll never make it. You know, you'll never do it. Yeah. <laughs> are you really going to write that? <laughs> yeah. you look over my shoulders like, is that the word? Yeah, directing too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't worry. Uh, we get enough uh, pushback from internally <laughs> from each other. Um, but no, we've we've always had this united front. Uh, you know, when we when we knew this was a thing we wanted to make and get out there, um, uh, we knew these kind of whitewashing conversations would come, and you know, and they came. Uh, but we just kind of knew that was never a thing that we wanted to do. And, and a lot of people, you know, seem to uh applaud us you know for turning down you know all these offers and and, and deals like that but it was just it just felt like it was, it was a no-brainer to us so but it didn't uh, didn't dampen your spirit when you got like turned downs from certain places that you hoped to help move the project forward i would come home so angry from these meetings uh because I, I live in la so yeah. i feel like i had the, the douchiest meetings <laughs> uh you know where literally someone's like I, I, I love i love it i'll tell you what if you can write a role for nicholas cage we could get you four million right now, oh. and we're like, "What's he gonna play?" I don't know. Uh, he could play one of, the, one of the main guys, or or, or really? Carter. Like, uh, hey. or, and that was an Asian. That was an Asian American producer telling this to me. Wow. Uh, another experience I had was my favorite. Not my favorite. It was a real Hollywood <laughs> experience. I'm in uh, an old Hollywood Italian restaurant in the heart of Hollywood, and we're just talking about all this stuff. And uh, these other producers, they were really intent on bringing in Chinese actors. Uh, from China, we're very hot. Like, yeah. These are people whose movies I love, but they couldn't understand the concept that we needed to be an Asian American film. Uh, and I think it's all the same thing. Huh? They're like, yeah. I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Do these guys work in America? It's like, okay, okay, thank you for the bread. It was really yeah. nice. Okay. <laughs> and, I'll take these breadsticks. Yeah. And I mean, to, yeah. to, to speak on what you said before about like you know trying to cater to you know the bigger audience, the universal audience, like. That's something that old Hollywood has always tried to do where you know, yeah. they try to add those ingredients that actually don't fit 
you know, and, you know, the, you know, there's data that says, you know, X amount of people love broccoli. So let's put it into, you know, your fud or something like that. You know, it just doesn't fit. It, that's just not how it works. And for us, like, as you don't like broccoli you in your fud, but you know, fusion, fusion. <laughs> but for us, you know, like we, we are, you know, a united, you know, group, a team that, you know, from the very beginning, you know, it story is king. It, like as long as everything that we do serves the the correct authentic story then you know that's that's the the deal that we should um take and, and for us it's about trying to find the right partner versus trying to find the money because you know you can you can you we can find money money is i wouldn't say it's easy to get but we can find money but finding the right partner to you know kind of support this film from beginning to end all the way to when we sell market whatever and you know they're telling their friends to come support the film like that's harder to find but yeah. you know for us you know it that's why it was worth it to spend the 10 years and find the correct people to back us and 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 find that essentially that army that would fight with us through all of these little battles that we have um, yeah. and so therefore you know that's why everything was so worth it do you see this yeah go ahead sorry Michael. I was, I was just going to gonna... say a lot of time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> uh, I was going to say it. All right, Michael, you time, have the... Uh, the bigger money will come with the wrong people. And that we found Absolutely. that in several instances where uh, the more conversations you have with them, like, how do we back out of this money? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, where's that line you draw with? And, you know, and not selling your soul, but being able to open up to a bigger market. And my question to you was, do you see this, um, I mean, uh, going into the Asian market in a certain way that breaks those boundaries? Because in history, Asian American films have not done well in China, let's say specifically. There is something that Chinese don't like about the way, you know, I don't know, it's, it's very troubling, but I think it's because of especially the women's roles in, in being depicted as a certain way that they feel like Asian Americans are selling ourselves short for entering the, you know, the Hollywood version of, of, of film world and, and they are insulted and they don't want to, I don't know, I don't know how we break those boundaries uh, and how does your film speak to that or if, if it does. It's hard to say. I mean, yeah, first of all, this is a, it is a very much Asian, uh, not even just an Asian American film, but just an Asian, uh, you know, diaspora film, because again, it shows Chinatowns, you know, and that culture of Kung Fu culture that is being taught, uh, teaching Kung Fu to non-Chinese and, and, yeah. and, you know, basically being for the <clears throat> world. So it definitely has all those elements. Uh, but just kind of speaking specifically for us, we are Asian American. We are telling from the story from a certain perspective and certain sense of humor about certain things and stuff like it is kind of like yeah. from that viewpoint. And so exactly to what you're saying, in a lot of ways, in a nutshell, this movie is kind of going through the same things that we had growing up. You know, we weren't American enough uh, for, for people. And then like when we go to Asia or like hang out with our yeah. families, we weren't Asian enough exactly. for, for them. Uh, so same with with this film. It's almost like, uh, you know, it's it's, it's it's a Kung Fu movie that has kind of its own kind of like connotations for it better does. for work, but you know, for, for mainstream America, they always say, oh, dubbing, you know, they love, you know, they, they kind of have a perception of, of Kung Fu movies and all that stuff to be exactly that. And that is, I think, a hindrance as far as like some people, you know, being able to kind of discover the film and, and, and kind of appreciating or uh, watching it on its own. There's, they, they kind of, you know, have those connotations. 
And then on the flip side, you know, right now we're having this conversation right now about trying to figure out Asia distribution and like what exactly, you know, uh, the audience there is and they're having, and also Asia seems to have kind of a perception issue that we're also like kind of seeing because Kung Fu movies are, you know, a dime a dozen in China and, and Hong Kong and, and stuff like that. I mean, that's the bread and butter, right? So what Not is that? Not anymore. Mean? It's like Not anymore, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll run out of Kung Fu in China. is like very CG, kind of CG fest, you yeah. know, with yeah. a little bit of martial arts. But how come you guys don't have any wire sequences, guys? <laughs> we can't afford it. We can't afford it. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but exactly to that thing. It's like we're almost like they don't know what to do with us in that sense. Like what exactly, you know, are we bringing to the table as Kung Fu? It's like, well, it's not like we don't have CG. We don't compete. We don't compete on that, you know, metric, but it is a different story. So. Uh, I think slowly but surely, hopefully we can have, uh, you know, that word of mouth, which has always been the case uh, uh, for us everywhere. Uh, it's just people need to see it and they'd be able to be able to share it to their friends. Once they see it, they know what it is. But I don't uh, think so- it's just seeing it. There's something about the Asian mentality in Asia, particularly they were talking about China, is they don't see that. They don't understand the context of Asian American complexity. And they'll just see it, I'm afraid, as being, okay, well, you guys... You know, what are you talking about? Your cult, you know, what, where's the culture? Where, why are you not sourcing the origins of this, you know, the yeah. Chinese culture of, of Kung Fu? Well, well, China is, is one thing. You know, I think I was uh, wrist slapped a couple of times. You know, they would say, you know, when we say like uh, Sifu Wang or stuff like that, as a, nom- a nomenclature, they would say, well, it's Wang Sifu, it's Wang, Wang Shifu, right? It's supposed yeah. to be surname. Hey, and, good and, accent. And I, thank you. Thank you. Shay <laughs> Shay. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, uh, you know, it's a surname and, and title, but in Asia, in America, in Chinatown, it's Sifu Jim, it's Sifu John, it's Sifu, you know, now we've yeah. flipped it because that's, that's the cultural uh, adjustment, you know, right. same with the jalapenos, right? That's, and that's just as authentic and that yeah. is just as real as it is. So I think in a lot of ways, kind of being, you know, that uh, thousand year, you know, middle kingdom, you know, sometimes they, they're no, they don't like new things. They don't like, necess- they don't understand kind of like what those uh, new adjustments, what that brings to the table, because uh, it just doesn't resemble what they've been doing. Yeah. So I think there's kind of like a lot of stuff that maybe, you know, is a little bit out of our hands. Uh, but I would think sure. you know, young people and youth people, young, younger audiences might uh, be hip to it. And maybe yeah. just case in point, not China necessarily, but in Korea, like we have a Korean release. Uh, we were at the Busan International Film Festival last right. year, and the two Asian American films were us and Minari. Um, and you and you'd say, you know, completely different genre, completely different, you know, types of stories. But, uh, you know, I would say at least Pusan saw something, saw something in the Asian American experience in the Asian American voice, you know, storytelling voice that, you know, it came from a same cloth, even though we looked very different. You know what I mean? So uh, I think there's some there's some hope around that. Everyone's worried about China because of the money. And as much as we want the film to do really well, we're, it's crazy to try and chase the sentiments of basically a nationalist right strongly nationalist country yeah yeah and and so going back to what we started with is what's interesting is while you know Bao, you were saying how kind of this whole complexity and the over uh generalization of the asian american image is very uh reductive at the same time it's giving space for this kind of new identity for asians to see what it means to be Asian American, right? There's this double-edged sword of being kind of like trapped under this one umbrella, but at the same time, it gives a space for a certain type of identity. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think there's also just even the experience that we have with our characters. We have all these Asian, we have Vietnamese characters in the movie. They're all speaking Vietnamese. They're speaking yeah. Chinese. And it's like, that is multicultural America. And that's kind of the experience that we have. And also, you know, we touch upon, you know, 
anti-blackness in Asian American communities as well. And that, that's something that's very unique. And that's not, you know, that's not a, you know, uh, completely a known, known thing uh, around the, for the rest of the world, even though, you know, it is, it is often experienced here. I, I wish yes. we had time to elaborate on this whole race, racial issue, but just to, I know we have a limited time left, but can we talk a little bit about discrimination and how maybe any of you had any experiences with discrimination and how that's affected you and maybe how that's kind of, this film speaks to any of that? Growing mm. up, did you have anything? I grew up in, I grew up in Lodi, California. Uh, it's a predominantly white area, but I went to high school where a lot of kids from Stockton came in and Stockton is extremely multiracial, multicultural. Uh, I was, I was, it was one of those situations where my seafoods were, my favorite ones were named Mendoza and Perez. Uh, and I, it never really, it ne I never thought of it. I was the only Asian kid in the class, but it was never meant to feel othered. Uh, same thing with my high school. Uh, I, it didn't really occur to me. I, the first time I got called like a chink was in college. Uh, and which is crazy to me, but not that crazy because I went to Santa Barbara. Uh, but yeah, it, discrimination didn't, I didn't become aware of it until college and I started taking more classes and studying it more. Hmm. I think obviously we all have stories of, you know, any type of racial prejudice, but I think what's the more often insidious and maybe something that's worth challenging now is kind of the prejudice and racism within kind of white liberal conclaves or white liberal spaces. Mm. I think those are the ones that are supposed to be the allies, but are actually not. So I think that's something that we have to kind of start challenging a little bit more about, and especially trying to understand like, you know, uh, really it's about, uh, you know, being allies uh, with us, rather us trying to ally with their agendas and what their purposes are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Alan. and and yeah, I, I grew up in a majority white area um, and I, was I was absolutely aware of you know the the prejudices and the the racism at like age or in the third grade because like I just remember and I and I'm I'm actually still friends with this person you know as an adult now but like you know this person told you know had said all of the worst words to me you know like but but at, but at the end of the day where did he learn it from right it, it was he was eight years old and 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 it was clear that you know it was coming from parents or whatever it is but like. I was, I was certainly aware of, you know, like my otherness in this white town, but, you know, what really um, made me feel at home was martial arts. Like, um, you know, uh, being, you know, age nine, 10, you know, going to mar your martial arts class, all of my teachers were white, but, you know, at the same time, you know, you felt in touch with, you know, your culture as an Asian mm -hmm. um, and then growing up, continuing it all the way until my mid twenties. And actually one of my favorite um, teachers was actually a white woman who now lives in, uh, uh, in, uh, Kona. And so, um, and, and, you know, she, she was, it was just something about her that like, um, really taught me about how to be, you know, a better martial artist, better person, everything like that. And a lot of those things are in the movie and, and, and those are things where, you know, what I love about our movie is that, you know, we no longer are trying to search for validation about you know who we are about our asianness or anything is just that we were able to just be us we were you know this story really appealed to us and therefore we felt that there there should be others out there just like us because there's there's really no other movie like this movie you know and so that's why we in in that sense we knew that we had a chance to compete in the market and and not trying to 
validate ourselves in China or right. anywhere else. You trusted so. yourselves to be authentic with yourselves and just kind of came out with it. And I think it's like a really perfect time for Paper Tigers to be out here now challenging so many um, on, on so many levels, right? And um, so you're in Texas and you're going on to go and do more uh, promotions and marketing for it. And so this is for the next year, you're gonna be like kind of going all over the place promoting it, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. I think also trying to meet as many people and uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, meeting the audience in New York is very different from meeting the audience in Hawaii, but they're all, the, they all seem to enjoy it, thankfully, but everyone seems to kind of interpret and kind of take away uh, something that's unique to their, their, their uh, place, the places that they live as well. I think that's just been the fun of it, just feeding all, you know, all these new uh, uh, experiences of the audience, because right now, you know, the movie's not ours anymore. It's for the world. Uh, yeah. So we're kind of enjoying and seeing this little baby kind of grow up and, and be its own and, and meeting. Yeah. You know, it's almost a teenager them. already since the inception of the idea. It's an yeah, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely costing us a lot of money like a teenager. So <laughs> <laughs> well, you're reaping in your success, I think. I mean, I really think it's great. Do you hope that this is going to spark a new generation of Kung Fu? You know, because it kind of like went down, you know, I grew up watching Kung Fu films, but then it kind of like fizzled out and there wasn't that much. And then do you think this is something that you would like to see turn into a new trend or not trend but you know yeah. practice i'd like to keep this our little niche yeah it's funny things are you know people are there's cobra kai that's going on and, and a lot of people seem to think we were like piggyback like like we right. said we were at this for 10 years this was, script was written long ago uh but it's interesting that we are kind of in a in a kind of a moment where it seems like all these pieces are being more welcomed in martial arts in general i think the interesting and the beauty of the uh, beautiful thing about martial arts um is that you know there's something pure to like just getting your ass kicked you know <laughs> there's there's no lie about it you know when you when you have skill or you have an ability in kung fu like it doesn't see color it really doesn't so it's all about you know like we're saying yeah. all the we had we're, we're non-chinese and all that things but it's about that purity and that the, the content of your character right there you go and, uh, and kind of the same way, you know, when Bruce Lee said, you know, uh, under under the sun, we're all the same kind of, you know, people. I think that's that's kind of exactly what we're trying to get at. Yes, we're yeah. Asian American. Yes, you're, we're in Texas. You white Americans might come to see this movie, but we're all human beings. Absolutely. And we all see the story, and we all uh, there's something to kind of be able to kind of relate around this campfire together, and that's what we want to do. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I know you guys are, have to go. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to end with the idea of Kung Fu as method, because what you just said is the core of not just your film, but the bigger picture of um, the analogy of us. How do we embrace life? How do we choose to find that purity in ourselves to take on challenges throughout life? And the idea of discipline and the idea of, you know, tensions and how we we use our bodies and connect to other people is just all there in your film. So good luck. Thank you so much. Congratulations. All that stuff looking forward to great more work from all of you just keep it going yeah this thank is the you, fabulous so team of paper tigers uh, uh bao alan and michael thank you so much thank, thank you, you. Bye.